Welcome back to Grey Malkin Lane, the podcast where queer friends gather to review and discuss the original X-Men comics from the 1960s. Last week in episode 7, The Return of the Blob, Professor X graduated the original team, put Cyclops in charge, and then left on a secret mission. After the team had some quirky interactions with some hippies at a coffee shop, they battled the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants as they tried to recruit the Blob. Magneto tried to kill our heroes yet again, this time with giant purple missiles, and the X-Men narrowly survived. And the Blob returned to his job at the carnival. And now here we are for episode 8, the uncanny threat of Eunice the Untouchable. I'm here with three of my friends. Uh, if you guys could all introduce yourselves, let us know what pronouns you use. And outside of the X-Men, let me hear a, uh, a work of fiction or two that really meant a lot to you in your childhood, that you'd kind of consider the seminal stories of your youth in some ways. Uh, so my name is Heather. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And even to this day, Artemis Fowl is like the end-all be-all for me. Um, I reread the entire series at least, like around every year, all eight books, and I can quote entire passages of those <laughs> books, and it's still just my favorite. My name is May. My pronouns are she, her, but I'm also open to they, them. Um, book series, of course, you know, Harry Potter was a big pivotal part of any young nerd's, mm -hmm. you know, life. Uh, also, Little Women is probably my favorite book of all time. My whole family, we've all read it and relate to it a lot, maybe because I have two sisters. And so, uh, you know, it's a very touching story about, you know, sisters growing up together. It's a great book. Oh, so I'm Corey. He, he and him. Uh, Little Women. I completely agree. I read Little Men growing up and then I was thinking to myself, like, hmm, I'm might as well check the other box and uh <laughs> at even at, at the teasing of reading little women a girl's book i read it, and it was phenomenal but yeah i consumed all sorts of literature harry potter amongst one of the most uh one of the most prevalent ones. what houses are we <laughs> so that's what we should introduce ourselves with my name's Corey. i'm a ravenclaw my uh my uh my pivotal pivotal piece of literature probably would have to be Harry Potter, maybe Lord of the Rings. That was one of the the big things for me. But I just named yeah. my tomato plant Tom Bombadil. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the superhero most people never got to see. Oh, before I answer, I want to hear your houses though. Uh, I'm a Hufflepuff. I am a hardcore Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. I am also definitely a Hufflepuff. Uh, with an undertone of Gryffindor, I think. Mine would be the undertone of Ravenclaw. I had to take the tiebreaker between Ravenclaw and Oh, there's and a tiebreaker. If, you, if you're a hat stall in the Potterverses, <laughs> they make you take the the tiebreaker question. Interesting. Hufflepuff is the only house I have never gotten. I have three Pottermore accounts, <laughs> and I have all the houses but Hufflepuff. Just to, just to make sure you're getting the full experience. Well, no, because I didn't like my Patronus. And so I had uh, to retake well, it. We can make you do it all over again. Mine's a weasel, and I love him. Mine is a bat now. <laughs> oh, that's a, good, that's a good one. Isn't that the most slithering thing to do, though? To just go and retake the quizzes till you get the well, answer the first you time want. Well, because like, the first time it was like, your Patronus is a Dunmare. And I was like, no, it's not. And so What's I made, a Dunmare? It's a horse. Oh. And so I made another account, and I took it again. And it was like, your Patronus oh, is that's a golden slithering. eagle. And I was like, hmm. We're getting closer, but still not there. And so I made another account, and I took it again, and it was like, your Patronus is a bat. And I was like, that's the one. That's great. That's funny. She's she's right. That's a very Slytherin thing to do. Mm. I had my kids take the test, or I took it with them, and my very Ravenclaw thing was me telling my little Hufflepuff that, no, he can't retake the test. It's not That's not how it works. You are what you are. You can't just choose what you want to be. <laughs> I, uh, first of all, a hat stall is similar to a cock block. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never uh, taken this test, but I feel like I would just get something obscure. They like my Patronus would be like a red-lipped batfish. I'd ooh, be like, ooh, perfect. Because yeah. anything obscure and ugly at the bottom of the ocean is going to work for me. Uh, so we are back uh, to discuss issue number Wait, literature. Oh, oh, pardon me, I didn't answer my own question. Uh, so my name is Chad Anderson. I use he/him. His uh, seminal literature. I've always been a huge reader. Uh, I read the original 80s books of the Choose Your Own Adventure series mm -hmm. growing up that were huge for me. I used to like write my own. Uh, fiction genres, I must have played with He-Man and the Masters of the Universe uh, mm. for like seven years as a kid. 
And then as a teen, I played with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a lot. And then it was the X-Men for me. After that, it was uh, a deep dive into the X-Men, which I have now been reading for 30 years. So uh, I, uh, I've always loved them. I just remembered my other seminal literature was Alice in Wonderland. Oh, like, obsessed. That's a great one, too. <laughs> so many. I mean, I could go back and, and, and list Another a one I really liked that people don't realize exists is Susan Collins' first series, The Underland Chronicles. Gregor the Overlander. I love them so much. I wish more people knew about them. You should totally check them out. When I was 12, there's a picture of me in the newspaper walking down the railroad tracks after school reading a book, like, up in front of my face. <laughs> And the book you can clearly see in the photo is Ramona Forever by Beverly Clary. <laughs> I love Ramona. But, yeah. I, but I wasn't gay. <laughs> all those two. <laughs> okay, so we're here to discuss uh, X-Men number eight. The book, uh, the, the series kind of takes a turn here. It's kind of like Stanley and Jack Kirby have found their groove. Uh, the storytelling gets immeasurably better. There's still a lot of corniness, but it's not this kind of haphazard craziness like we had in number three with the Blob Circus or Carnival, which is by far the, the oh most ridiculous. So I much happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the first things I noticed as I was reading through that I really enjoyed. Like I was getting into the story. The, the writing was flowing very well. The corniness happened like just the right places, but the story was still driving. Like I read this one much faster it's more usual. corny and less cringy, although yes. it's still cringy. Uh, I don't know, that giraffe, though. <laughs> well, what's it, it wouldn't be an episode if Gene uh, didn't get grabbed by somebody. Though. Right, or, or, at least, or at least objectified. Um, so let's talk about the cover first thing. We have, we have a, a, a blurb saying, Never have the X-Men fought a foe as unstoppable as Eunice. Never have the X-Men come so close to being shut uh, shut up, excuse me. <laughs> and never have you read such a boastful blurb. The uncanny threat of Eunice the Untouchable. Uh, tell me your reactions to the cover initially. I love the self-awareness, but also the <laughs> cockiness that comes with the self-awareness. They set a good tone for the for the the rest of the comic with that blurb. Jean is uh, is very femininely posed. Of even course as she, she is. Even as she flies away. You gotta be elegant when you are being pushed Jesus away. <laughs> I kind of think maybe Eunice farted. Uh, well, it's something. Like, there's ah! never, yeah, there's never any clear indicator. It just sort of goes away. It, is that why he's untouchable? Uh, okay. So the, the book opens with uh, Cyclops taking over the training. Professor X isn't around. The X-Men are back into the danger room and Cyclops is pushing them hard. They're all individualized. He's not doing his own training. In his suit. But <laughs> he's still in his suit. He's supervising, yeah. you know? He supervising. pushes himself hard. Oh, I know though. he does. He is the lead by example <laughs> I, I type know. and his expectations <laughs> um, are really high. He's though. so scared of failing. Before we move on to the first thing, uh, what is on Eunice's briefs there? That's what I was is going to ask. Octopus? Is it a is spider? That a is it... What? What's oh. going on there? Is it a crab? I think it's his untouchable. I, I want it to be crabs <laughs> just because it'd be fun. He put an image of his untouchable right there. He's warning everyone he has crabs. Oh, it's, man. It's right there. He It's on the label. He wants that's everyone what, to that's know. That's why you can't see them. They're too small. It's the crabs <laughs> that are jumping off and protecting him. He's it's, the host. Protect the host! <laughs> Maybe his kid was trying to draw a spider and it went wrong. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we're in the danger room. Uh, tell me your thoughts on the X-Men's initial exercises. Uh, let's start with Jean Grey. Of course, she's threading a needle board telekinetically. She's, uh. Uh, she's yeah, she's like telekinetically weaving a needle in patterns, which is actually a pretty cool well, yeah. precision Most, exercise. Uh, but elegantly, of course. Yes. Hands, hands on, on hips. hips. <laughs> it also cracks me up that in no issue can Angel, like, leave Gene alone because mm. um, he almost gets caught and he was like I was too preoccupied watching Gene threading those laces telekinetically mm -hmm. it's like that's not even something oh, sexy for her to be doing it was Beast not Angel oh, though is it? Oh. Beast is riding a unicycle on a tight wire and still takes time to objectify Gene okay well still I love that <laughs> they can't just leave Gene alone like let her train y'all and train yourselves like jeez jeez <laughs> Well, that's and, what happens. Uh, Hank almost loses it. Iceman is in the background compensating. <laughs> he's with, with his giant. He's just ice holding stick. a big stick for several 
panels forward. He's just sitting there <laughs> holding his big ice stick. In the next panel, Beast says, and I quote, careful where you're waving that elongated ice pick, Bobby. Hell yeah. I mean. Euphemism? <laughs> of course. Look at the smile on Bobby's face. He's like, oh, thanks for noticing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you do? And then just underneath that, he's got this big grin while he's got a, like a double-handed grass <laughs> on his elongated ice pick. <laughs> I mean, I like finding innuendo, this, but. What are you gloating about? <laughs> I think Iceman's compensating. I think it's very clear. Either that or he's showing off. Perhaps that's the case. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. Well, you can't see anything in his ice suit. So he feels like, you know, there's, yeah. Gotta there's show you what you're something getting. There, yeah. <laughs> they, all, they all just look like they're eunuchs in their little tights. <laughs> I know. Uh, so the X-Men are pretty upset. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe they're tucked. <laughs> All of the X-Men tuck. Uh, so the X-Men are pretty upset with Cyclops for pushing them so hard in the danger room. And he is wanting to make sure that he's doing a good job, that they're prepared for any threats. I mean, to be fair, they've almost been killed <laughs> most recently by Magneto throwing large missiles at them. So he's scared and he doesn't want to let Professor X down. But I also feel like there's a little bit more rebellion under Cyclops than under the Professor. Like nobody is openly rebelling, but they're like, Cyclops, we're graduated. Like, give us a uh, break. No, they're though... like, psych, old boy. Yeah. <laughs> but like... Professor X pushed them way harder than that, and they yeah. never said a word. And when they complain, it was silence. And yeah. how does Cyclops respond? And he was like, well, we got to do this. this, is, this <laughs> is he's, why we're he's trying to yeah. be a leader, actually be like, hey, yeah. we're doing this so for your protection. Yeah. We but are that's... doing this because we have been in danger, and... I want to make sure that we are all ready for this. Whereas... But you can already see the leader, like the difference under the leadership of the two, because like he's their classmate, and so like they feel a little bit more comfortable like Pushing questioning back. him yeah. mm -hmm. rather than Professor X, who very possibly was manipulating very them to not question him. Like if they ever wanted to like push back, he'd be like. You forgot that. Just Cyclops almost down. has like a sorry, not sorry approach. Yeah. And he's perhaps afraid that Professor X is going to erase his brain if he screws up. Ha! Huh. Because, no, you know, we've seen that, that a few times. Charles is always there. <laughs> <laughs> he's running his tight ship, but it makes sense. Because in, in any sort of operative or military unit, if like a group of people have been on the same level, and then one of them rises above everyone else and is now suddenly in charge of them, yeah. speaking from experience, like this is very... It's very typical, like you have, there can't be any sort of leeway. So Cyclops has to double down on his strictness in the face of no one taking him seriously. But also like <laughs> nobody is openly rebelling against him. They're like, yeah, we're going to do this thing because like we do support Cyclops as our leader. But we're also going to give him a little bit of shit because we know him. He's got more to prove, he's our buddy. that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, when you say speaking from experience, what does that mean? So I was, uh, I spent six years uh, in the military. And for a long time, I worked with a group of the same guys and then eventually was promoted above them. And I dealt with probably a little bit more overt and, you know, some stuff like this. Like, yeah. oh, hey, nice fun play. Like, we're not going to listen to you, but sort of, yeah, we are. But then there are always, there's always the... There's always someone in those sort of stories. But it's it's a kind of a tight rope to walk because you've, just like the previous week, you were commiserating with these guys. In this example, talking about how much Professor X sucks and how much <laughs> all this is terrible and how it's bullshit. It doesn't make any sense. And why are we doing this? And, <laughs> and, and now ironic. the the, flip, the, the the script is flipped now and he's got to be the one telling them to do all that. Yeah. And you know in his head he knows that Whenever they go somewhere, they're like, frickin' Cyclops. Oh, did you see that stupid tie he was wearing today? <laughs> it's ironic that you say a tightrope to walk, given that Beast is literally yes. walking oh, a tightrope. I'd rope love to say I did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cyclops is literally a boner killer. Iceman, <laughs> Iceman's still, you know, waving around his elongated ice pick. And Cyclops just shatters it with an <laughs> optic blast, which is amazing. But then he teaches Iceman how to stop looking like a lumpy snowman and diminish his ice. Uh, so he looks like an ice man, like a translucent and ice then, man. Just so everyone knows what's happening scientifically, I want to read. Yes, just for, yes. for the physics nerds. So, excellent. By increasing your degree of cold, your body becomes even more icy, making you almost transparent. So if you increase the level of cold, you get more icy. Or scientifically speaking, <laughs> you know... Turn down the heat. <laughs> and they immediately call Iceman a girl. Like, you look like Sue Storm now, who's the invisible woman. Uh, but this is the appearance Iceman takes on for uh, for the rest of the series. Like, the next several decades are Iceman yeah. in this form. 
So this is uh, this is pretty big for him. I will miss Lumpy Snowman Iceman, but I'm really glad he's gone at the same time. <laughs> Uh, so then we have Cyclops pushing Jean. We have Cyclops pushing Beast. Well, and and... Cyclops is pining after Jean. Oh, the same. Uh, and it's, it's like, like <laughs> frame for frame the I Professor know. X thing. From... But I'm like, Scott, Scott focus. <laughs> Except that they're teenagers. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it makes sense in a teenager. You got to remember. Oh, God, I remember high school. I wish I didn't <laughs> I'm embarrassed about <laughs> some of that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just because that, he's that like, hiding. he goes, if only I could tell her the words I really want to say, how gorgeous her lips are, how silken her hair is, how I love her, but I dare not. I haven't the right, not now when I'm supposed to be their leader. <laughs> I can't listen to my own heart. I must be detached, unemotional. I okay, get back very to my job. discipline for a 16 year old yeah. kid. <laughs> so, he's, he's like 18 at oh, this point. Yeah. They're graduated from high school. <laughs> still, do you remember those 18 year old hormones Ooh. though? <laughs> a few a few panels later, we see Jean similarly pining for Cyclops. Like, which Scott, is, at least it's mutual. Yeah, I'm like, but Scott and Jean just need to get their shit together. Like, yeah. oh, Scott, if well, only isn't you that, felt about me isn't that as the way I do about you. It's a slow build. So, I Stanley, know. in all of his books, loves these like Shakespearean unrequited <laughs> love thought bubbles with rare exception uh Reed and Sue in the Fantastic Four if only he loved me if only we'd get married Daredevil and Karen Page and Iron Man and Pepper Potts and Thor and Jane Foster it's in all of their books solid these... communication guys <laughs> That's, it's, cut yeah. all of this out <laughs> these deep thoughts of longing I, I dare not let her see who I really am uh, <laughs> oh Peter Parker and Betty Brandt like it just goes on and on and do, on do you think he had a was he married I'm not familiar enough yeah with he these. was married with children was there was there's some sort of one that got away that he always sort of looked at. You know, or... the market for these books is teenage boys. I think. Oh, they there's all, always yeah. <laughs> they all had girls. Just a marketing were... ploy. He's like, hey, I remember. Cha-ching. <laughs> I'm just gonna tap into your deep set insecurities here. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Gene's thighs again, and it's all very yeah. It's very scientific. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, they did. They did a good job. So Cyclops is tough on them, and he. Yeah. He says, quote, perhaps I have been working you all too hard. It's just that I want to be worthy of the confidence Professor X has shown in me. Uh, so you you see like a deep dedication. And we have many years of Cyclops has a lot of stories, but he's like the military general of the X-Men yeah. often. Uh, sometimes when he has created major enemies and sometimes when they all rally behind him, depending on the threat. And again, I think there's probably... Uh, Corey, you've you've been in the military. I think there's probably some correlation there. Sometimes mm -hmm. your leader's your best friend, and other times you're like, "Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> you can't actually say that, but you want you to. Think, <laughs> it, think it's so hard. So the uh, the X Men leave. Cyclops stays behind. Uh, Beast and Iceman are on their way back to the coffee shop, but they never make it because a little boy named Tommy has climbed up onto a chimney and he may fall. Uh, Beast wants to save this kid, and Iceman warns him, if you use your powers, people may see who you are and realize who you are. But he doesn't care. He wants to go save this little kid. He takes his shoes off, he climbs the wall, he saves the little boy, and how does the crowd react? The public needs to chill. Just Ugh. literally like going towards Trumpies. the... Right. Because they're like, it's one of those X-Men. They're probably... He probably just saved that mutants. kid to throw us off guard. Oh, yeah. It's it's very uh, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yeah. Let me polarize the entire podcast right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a queer theory podcast. I think people know where we stand. Uh, but there's there's something very tragic about this. If you yeah. if you take time to realize, uh, he's he's sacrificing his well being in order mm -hmm. to save a child. And the crowd's reaction instead of cheering for him, this first time he kind of publicly reveals himself. They attack him. They chase him down. They tear his clothing. Uh, what would that be like? I mean, that's a pretty traumatic thing to yeah. go through, honestly. I, I can't imagine. I one, one thing I noticed was how Bobby, who should probably be more impulsive, is the one, funnily enough, that's trying to show restraint. Like, no, they're going to know. Maybe this also has to do with the fact that Bobby is canonically gay. Bada bing. He's a little extra closeted, but for all mm. of the all of the mutants, they're closeting themselves, which mm -hmm. is something we've talked about again and again. And I think there's a long history of queer people so afraid to let their light shine. And when you just let people see a glimpse of who you are, there's so much fear of rejection or or being attacked. Yeah. Uh, I remember high school in particular, but college and even into my twenties, 
where I might notice a cute guy walk by, or I might say the wrong thing, or I might express interest in a pop star that's not considered tough. And everyone's like, oh, dude, you're gay. And there's this automatic <laughs> reaction and this shaming and you shut down inside. For trans people, I think it's even greater. Yeah. Oh, if yes. I let them see my femininity or my masculinity at all, they're going to attack me. They're going to reject me. Uh, this scene really speaks to me, uh, kind of channeling that fear that I felt as a kid. Any yeah. thoughts about that from you guys? I think the, the, the photo here, bottom of, or the two panels at the bottom of page five, especially the one on the left, when you look at it through that, that lens that you're, that you're speaking of now, this picture here with them running, and, and hiding their faces and we're not seeing any of the any of the crowd's faces we're just seeing hands and like exclamations and uh that's one of those ones that as as i look at that and listen to you that hits a little bit harder than just oh these two are comically sort of running away so that's it's something that's uh i see is very very descriptive and then hank who's always this most happy-go-lucky guy in this very next panel you can see it in his face with his torn up clothes he's fucking fed up. Yeah, and I think I think there's similar theory. I mean, all of us here in the room identify as Caucasian, I presume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for people of color who are accustomed to not being able yeah. to blend in, and if they step out, if they try to do something nice for someone, and the police or the crowd reacts with violence, with threats, with uh, with rejection, that that you, you carry trauma with you. It's a mm-hmm. scary thing to go through, even in our own families. Uh, which is why the X-Men so important, because they can be themselves around each other. Yeah. Even with all their misogyny. <laughs> uh, so the Beast storms back to the mansion with Bobby right behind him, and he is fed up. Quote, I'm through risking my life for humans, for the same humans who fear us, hate us, want to destroy us. I think Magneto and his evil mutants are right. Homo sapiens just aren't worth it. Ooh. How'd that feel to read that? Ah. I definitely get where he's coming oh, from. Same. It is... It's so hard to read because there's so much truth there. I mean, just going back to that that allegory of being queer or going back to thinking of being, you know, a person of color in white America, just this, I'm so tired of trying. I am so tired of trying to fit in, trying to be a part of this community when they obviously just don't want me here. And on a smaller scale, because I, for a several years worked in a classroom with at-risk students and I can't lie you know I had some days where I felt kind of the same way because I'm like none of them have any drive like they refuse to do anything like why am I even trying to help them which is exactly why I needed to but so like I yeah, I, like I said, on a much smaller scale, but Yeah, growing similar. up in communities like that. Uh, I didn't grow up in Utah. I grew up in Southeast Texas in a lot of uh, underprivileged neighborhoods. And, you know, most of the kids I, I went to middle school with are either in prison or in poverty. They're, mm-hmm. Some of them got out, but just seeing this, so many of them were just so fed up with everything. It was just not even worth trying. What's the point? I'm not going to get anywhere. Nothing's going to change. It just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in Mm -hmm. a circle over and over and over again. So we have this long history of any disenfranchised population, women, people of color, queer people who gather together and they try to find pride in themselves. Mm -hmm. And then we have the dominant population. You know, if I say something like, I'm so tired of heterosexual people discriminated against me, they're like, well, you're discriminating against heterosexual people now. <laughs> uh, we uh... need a Black History Month. Well, where's White History Month? <laughs> we we need spaces to feel yep. safe. And when Beast is saying, I'm tired of humans attacking me, he's not speaking for all humans, obviously, but he does have a collective experience Hashtag as a mutant person. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a collective experience in this in this culture that is oppressive to mutants consistently. Uh, And we see some interesting things that play out. For example, the Avengers are widely lauded by the public, even though there's a god and a monster on the team. But the X-Men, because they're mutants, are hated, chased down the street. Uh, So that's always something that's made them stand out. Um, If we go back to page five at the very bottom, uh, you'll notice that when Beast is announcing that he's quitting the X-Men, what is Cyclops doing at the desk? Reading a newspaper? You go on to the next page, you see some kind of paper and pen mm-hmm. on his desk. Okay, so this is super crazy. In 2013, 
we have at this exact moment a time-traveling blue-furred beast who arrives back in this exact spot when Beast is quitting the X-Men. And it shows the desk up close, and Cyclops is writing a letter to Jean. Like, I don't know how to tell you how I feel. Wow. So they've added that to this scene, which is so great. <clears throat> Beast from the future talks about how mutants in the future are facing a mutant genocide. And he needs these people to come forward and uh, and come forward in time and remind the future Cyclops what the dream is. Because Cyclops in the future has recently killed Professor Xavier. It's a long story. Uh, so the mutants choose to go, and we're going to pause this here and not further the conversation. But after we drop episode eight, I'm going to be doing a special episode of Grey Malkin Lane, where we talk about everything that the X-Men go in the far future. It's nuts. Their powers change. Iceman gets outed. Gene and Beast have a relationship. Characters die and come back to life. <laughs> Sorry, you're, the look on Heather's face. You guys can't see it, but it's Gene fantastic. and Beast. That was what... Yeah. There, there's a tremendous amount of stuff that happens. And then in the very end, they're, they're in the future for quite some time, actually. And at the very end, their minds get wiped and they get sent back to this exact moment. Man, that's got to be super frustrating to have. Like, it can't be good. Like, deep set psychology <laughs> to have your mind constantly wiped. Oh, I know. So, it's, it's like, I'm sure there's some residual effects It's from like that. when your, your G.I. Joe's, like, the little pop, they pop in or the Barbies <laughs> in, in or out. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, in, I'm inclusive. But only so many times can you pull that in and out before it just starts being kind of jiggly, you know? And it doesn't ever do the right thing anymore same thing that was a bizarre analogy and i loved it uh but the x-men here so their minds are wiped and as they age over the next several years in the comic books they do not have the memories of everything they went through in the future until the moment that the original x-men return to the past then the x-men of the present get all of their memories back so the X-Men in the future, when the X-Men go back to the past, Iceman suddenly remembers, holy shit, I was outed as a teen and I had a relationship. And then I was back in the closet for another oh, 12 So it's years. just suddenly the, this loop gets closed. Yeah. To like I mean, psychologically speaking, that's gotta <laughs> really mess you up. Oh, man. So, so we're gonna Relive do... Relive all the trauma. Oh, I'm gonna do this that. special episode, but there's a lot of crazy, wonderful stuff. So make sure you listen. For example, Teen Cyclops... Uh, when he arrives in the present, sees that future Cyclops is on a team with Magneto. And he's like, what the shit? This guy just tried to kill me. And so, like, there's these great... It's a really beautiful storytelling uh, uh, adventure done by Brian Michael Bendis and a few other people. Uh, we'll come back to this in, in, in our special episode. But uh, for, for all of you who are reading these original books with us, this is the moment when all of that future stuff happens and then they come back in the present again. Like, nothing has ever happened. Uh, okay, so... <clears throat> Any thoughts on that crazy time travel stuff before we continue? I don't even know that I can wrap my mind around it quickly enough to make Whipply a statement about that. Wibbly wobbly timey one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, exactly. it's, one of those, it's one of those ones you usually, if it's on a TV show or a movie, you rewind it once or twice to make sure you understand what the hell just happened. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, and again, the original writers did not intend for all this, right. but we have retroactive continuity and we get to go patch it in the pictures. So it's, uh, like a, it's like a superpower in its own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wanda's messing with reality again. <laughs> so Beast quits the team. He's done. And Cyclops is obviously very distressed. And what does he do? Contacts Professor X. Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> he and wishes he was <laughs> daddy. <laughs> he probably does so much. That's what the letter should have said. Professor Xavier, I wish you were my dad. Oh, that's sad because he thinks his dad is dead. Yeah. Cyclops is an orphan. So that like... Really hit something, <laughs> and that's another thing. Teen Cyclops Spoilers. when he goes, Teen Teen Cyclops when he goes to the future meets his father who's still alive, but then he comes back to the past and believes his dad's dead again. Super sad. Again, this can't be good for you. Yeah, the Cyclops is gonna be a wonderful father. I can feel it. He's not. <laughs> Spoiler. He's a no. terrible father. In fact, Magneto, Cyclops, Professor X, all of them are terrible, terrible fathers. Imagine as is, that. As is Mastermind. <laughs> As is Quicksilver. Scarlet Witch that. is okay, but she went mad. So this megalomanian fatherhood. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're all terrible, terrible dads. <laughs> Professor X being perhaps the worst. Well, though. he keeps his kid in a coma because he's uh, scared of his power. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Legion. Uh, so <laughs> Cyclops contacts Professor X, who is in a 
battle tank wheelchair in the middle of a cave somewhere. <laughs> Whatever it is. An almost cool. bottomless cave. In the heart of the Balkans, he's on a secret mission fighting someone named Lucifer, and that's all that's referenced. Now, he's actually talking about the cat from Cinderella. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know? Because uh, with all the underground and the red, I'm... I'm just... That's all we see Professor X in this issue. He's back next issue and we face the threat of Lucifer. I do time. like that he hasn't lost any of his drama because he's like, I shall tell you about it one day if I return. If I return. Farewell, Cyclops. Uh, okay. Without me knowing who Lucifer is, like he's in the caves, almost bottomless. Yeah. It seems like he's going to hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like he's going straight to the source. <laughs> Lucifer's so much more than you think. <laughs> we, not since The Vanisher have we seen someone as much as Lucifer. <laughs> uh, Ooh, but I like that we have I, I like that we have plot lines that extend now. Yeah. Like we have this kind of bit plot that's going to carry over the next month. It's showing that readers are picking up the book more. Uh, Beast leaves, and what does he do? He becomes a pro wrestler. Which, All what? I had to say was literally in my notes. Like, I mean, it really is the perfect cover. Yeah, I, totally. I said, of course he'll be a pro wrestler. Except earlier, yeah. he runs up a wall with his toes, and people are like, "Look, it's the Beast." He launches a professional career as a wrestler, calling himself the Beast, but somehow nobody knows it's, it's the Beast. It's wrestling, Chad. It's there's a suspension <laughs> of disbelief there. There's a huge wall of of logic or the logic blocking material <laughs> that with, with people that watch wrestling uh <laughs> that is very true i mean my sister of all people is really into wwe because she loves the drama oh, my so mom dramatic. and her brother used to love pro wrestling way more than dramatic than any telenovela <laughs> it really is though she's like oh yeah it's absolutely ridiculous but i love it it's bonkers <laughs> ridiculous and so bizarre and so amazing it's, i grew yeah. up on it <laughs> Corey, what do you think of uh, the beast's wrestling costume i wonder i thought he had wings at first i did too i was like okay <laughs> white yellow shorts choice. and a white fur cape so his huge white fur cape first of all is like giving me john snow vibes a little bit uh-huh which yep. is freaking cool but if he is a beast and he's wearing fur it's kind of cannibalistic, right? Maybe, yeah, maybe he's leaning into it. We we have the idea that perhaps a little time has passed. Uh, I have some problems with... Okay, so WWE, they have their big presentations. The Undertaker is going to march in surrounded by guys dressed as skeletons, right. right? Yeah. The Beast is announcing himself as the Beast. He's in a cage and he's being brought in by a bunch of men in like turbans and women in bikinis as they pull him toward the Safari stage. Bikini. It looks yep. like competing Safari cultures bikini. here with their outfits. I'm a little just, upset here. It's it. There's East Indian in some of it, and then there's like she's got I mean, the look, weird South African. It was the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> she just uh, needed work, man. It, it paid. It was a gig. <laughs> Don't judge her. And the beast, uh, the beast is uh, gonna face Eunice the Untouchable in the ring. Now we get a closer look at that insignia on Eunice's shorts here. Um, and you mean I on think his crotch. On his crotch. That is where it is. And I think maybe it's a menorah. <laughs> it doesn't have a nub. It's, it's a candlestick. Yeah, the nubs, it, the nubs built sticks, in. So, yeah, there, there's not enough. Uh, oh, enough. I thought she said a nub. No. Yeah, but... <laughs> Uh, no, there, there are not be, enough arms. There may be a nub, which is why he has to put that on his crotch to uh. distract you. <laughs> uh, You're too busy counting, you know. <laughs> Eunice the Untouchable is another very obscure uh, X-Men villain, much like the Vanisher. He's relatively unknown. He, uh, His real name is Gunther Bane. Sure. His powers are he has an impenetrable force field that surrounds him that he can extend outward to protect himself or others and withdraw at will. So he can punch okay, you, you makes, can't punch him. That makes sense. Uh, he is uh, a member of various teams moving forward. He has a daughter uh, who has similar power set. Her name is Unusion. Uh Her real name is <laughs> what Kamala. Are original, original, baby. <laughs> like Mastermind's kids, not original. Mastermind and Lady Mastermind. Like, even though they're both girls. <laughs> Mistress Mind. I actually really like Lady Mastermind, and I really like Unusion as well. And she, that's uh, fair. I'm just saying their names are not original. No, I, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts of Unusion? Uh, oh, goodness. Excuse me. Of Eunice the Untouchable as a villain? Um, I, I just don't super understand why... They keep facing villains who are completely unstoppable. 
except for Magneto and his team, like they couldn't do anything with the Vanish Vanisher. They couldn't do anything against the Blob. They couldn't do anything about against the Submariner. And now they can't do anything against Eunice. Like they keep writing them villains that <laughs> they literally cannot. They sense. have fight. to outsmart rather than outfight. Except for the Brotherhood. Yeah, well, that's, exactly. that's, <laughs> that's the exception. She, she makes a good point that they have to outsmart. So there's that whole lesson, like it's not all brute strength. Like sometimes the power is here. You gotta you need to be smart about it. But I also think speaking of speaking to just the whole world in general, in general, we need some quote unquote villains that aren't just that aren't bad that get to go out back out into the world and maybe they've learned a lesson from the X-Men or maybe they maybe like the they go out and they're bad. Maybe they go out and they realize that they don't want to be on either side, but they don't necessarily want to be a bad person. They no, we do get that. There, we, there's, we do there's, get that with... It gives uh, us this huge spectrum what, of, of mutants all over the world. We do get that gives, with Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch a little yeah. bit. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that's what they, happened they, at, they kind of at the good. end of the return of the blob. He like decided he didn't want to be on either team. And he's like, nope, I'm just going back to the carnival. Like, leave me alone. So we learned that Eunice has contacted the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants... Uh, with a desire to join them. Mastermind is in the crowd watching this, and uh, Beast is like, oh no, he's going to see me and recognize me. Uh, but before that, we get a couple of pages of, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's it's pretty, it elongates my ice pick a little bit. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But we get some shirtless man wrestling here. For yeah, a few we panels. do. It's kind of it's kind of okay with me. There's at least one panel where Beast looks like he's fully naked. Whoa. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, where he's when in he the ropes there. Yeah, when he gets thrown into the crowd. Oh, that's the, yeah. <laughs> he looks like he's naked. Neither of them have nipples. I no one has. Nipples are too No one has sexual. had nipples. Don't I think it was too oh, risque. I don't know why I didn't notice him. I think it was too risque in the no. 60s to draw nipples. The, the, yeah, he had ghost nipples. Uh, the, the underwater. God, Submariner? terrible. Submariner. Submariner. Yeah. That's who they fight in the next issue is ghost <laughs> nipples. That's their next villain. <laughs> Uh, no, but I'm, uh, I, you know, Eunice and Beast fighting in the ring is kind of doing it for me a little bit. Good job, Jack Kirby. <laughs> I liked it. Lots of color, too. So much color. Yeah, and it's kind of a fun action sequence. They, you, like, you can see the fight. It's a, it's a good time. Yeah. Uh, but Beast just keeps bouncing off of Eunice. Uh, Mastermind then informs Eunice out of the ring, like, we will let you consider joining us if you can capture one of the X-Men. Or to find them. And uh, and Eunice is all for it. Which is interesting because it shows that like fighting one. <laughs> Magneto yeah, right. is on, not guy. quite so keen on just recruiting any mutant at this point. Because he's been burned too many times. So he's like, <laughs> nope, like, not just going to go out and be like, hey, you're a mutant. Join my team. I mean, he Didn't literally... Mastermind say that? Yeah. <laughs> Magneto literally said in the last issue, we need to defeat humans, but not until the X-Men are destroyed. Yeah. Uh, but Mastermind is at a fight where the headliner is the Beast. And he doesn't I recognize know. the Beast. Like, oh, where's the X-Men? Mastermind. <laughs> I don't know. It's Maybe masterful. Professor X is fucking with him from afar. So. Does anyone else get, like, community college pledge, pledging fraternity vibes here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it... <laughs> They just seem like they're kind of leaving them, leaving them on a, like a loose chain. We're gonna make them around you do the and... thing that we can't do ourselves yeah. to prove. <laughs> you know what? Go, 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 do this thing, buddy. And I think that throughout we start to realize how dumb Eunice actually is. He's he's very much he's just not a dumb all that jock. Intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and Magneto seemed pretty desperate for new recruits a few issues ago. Now he's like, prove yourself to me. Uh, quality, not quantity. <laughs> Eunice goes out and he sees some guys robbing a bank, and he's like, mm, "I'll take this for myself, please." Uh, he, <laughs> well, kinda... he, he never thought about robbing a bank before. It's just like, a, "Oh, while I'm here, he's an opportunist. Like <laughs> yeah. they don't need that. I'm gonna. They did all the hard work. Let's <laughs> just grab this and go." <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, then he's in a suit, and the X Men see him, and he thinks. Or he says out loud, "If I'm going to become one of Magneto's allies, I might as well don a do. I might as well do my fighting in a distinctive costume, which he had on under his suit. His wrestler, well, his wrestling. Always got to be prepared. No, his wrestling costume was just shorts. This is Here shorts with like, a jumpsuit to under it. Head to toe red. Uh, oh, okay, I was on the previous day. The X Men no, no, got good. a new helicopter. Yeah, their helicopter's better, and it didn't get destroyed this time, yeah. and it's still purple, <laughs> which is brilliant." Uh, so what do you think, uh, what are your thoughts about the fight between the X-Men and Eunice? I think it's a little bit weird that Eunice, like, pegs Cyclops as the leader. 
he goes, you seem to be the leader, so you shall be my victim. Like, what mm -hmm. makes him stand out as the leader? Like, Angel attacks first and then Cyclops. And so it's not even like anyone's really trying to mm -hmm. protect Cyclops. It's not like he's, you know. Oh, I think it's because he literally, or you do see him say, stay back, all of you. I'll tackle him with the power beam. So I think it's that he was Maybe. literally giving orders. But I was just like, oh, yeah. how, how do you see that he's the leader? There's nothing that <laughs> separates him as a leader, like, visually as a leader from anyone else. Cyclops tries hitting him with beams and they just like bounce off. <laughs> Angel bounces off Eunice's field. And I think I might be I might be mistaken here, but I think this is the panel where we first see like feathers coming off of Angel. Like mm -hmm. he crashes into oh, yeah. them and yeah. then like there's you're like, oh, oh no. man. Uh, that's a whole different effect. Beast bounces off of him. Iceman tries to form an igloo around him, which is amazing. And Eunice just busts through. Like, they can't beat this guy. Although, I feel like the igloo was a, a really nice attempt. Yeah. I mean, like, he they did were better actually, than like, everyone else did. Well, but I'm like, but they, they actually, like, thought that one through. And they're like, oh, well, if we can trap him. Uh, it was yeah. one of their pre-made plans that they have. Yeah. Like, and so, like, I think... Because yeah. the igloo would have worked if Eunice was not also like a trained athlete yeah. and broke through the, <laughs> the ice. I also did like the whole idea of uh, it being called out where Eunice is like, I know you won't actually kill me. You're not oh, going to drop right? me. And he's just like, oh, darn, he's right. I'm like, I would have been like, oh, you don't know me. I will totally drop <laughs> you. <laughs> well, before we go too far, I did. I wanted to point out that he very, very nicely folded up his suit and hung up his hydrant. jacket on the fire hydrant <laughs> just to make sure in the fray that it didn't get, you know, scuffed or anything like that. Like, he's a classy bank robber, villain, wrestling <laughs> guy. He's a dandy man. <laughs> uh, so they finally stop Eunice, at least temporarily, when Angel just picks he, him up and well, drops no, him on the top onto of a building. Angel. If oh, yeah, Angel had yeah. grabbed onto him, it wouldn't have worked, but he grabs onto Angel, and Angel, like, flies him up, and he's like, well, you know that I'm not going to drop you, but I'll just leave you here on top of this building. Peace yeah. out, bro. He, he caught him in that break-proof wrestling hold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, queer theory dive for just a moment again. Eunice and Beast are fighting in the ring using their code names, the same names they use in their hero and villain careers. Uh, and they're clearly mutants for anyone who's watching, but nobody cares because they're wrestling. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a long Just trend. Gals being pals. <laughs> <laughs> There's a long trend of men and women, but particularly gay men in Hollywood, uh, who, when they're on stage or in movies, they will play very feminine roles, mm -hmm. but they still will call themselves straight off the yeah. stage. Liberace is the first guy that comes to mind. He's like the gayest homo He's you've ever so seen. So not straight. <laughs> but he would pretend to Everybody's date women. Just... So when he's gay on stage, it's fine. But if he's gay off stage, not okay. Yeah. Again, when we it's have for our entertainment, here. it's yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, the world's changing now. But yeah, we have a long, long history of, uh, of that. So Eunice is stuck on the top of the building. Uh, the X-Men rush back to the mansion. And Beast uh, starts showing his smarts a little bit. What does he do? He's building... Well, they get there and he's already there. Yep. He's already... You know what? If he quits the team, he needs to lose his clearance. How did he get back in there? <laughs> That's a liability. And so he probably means I'm a king size adult patent glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> but he's de devising a counter weapon to Eunice's powers because it behooves him to save them from a possible ignominious defeat. I had to look up ignominious. It's a good word. <laughs> it I is. Like that word. It's a good word. Uh, you know, also, they were just in the future for about a year, and maybe maybe they have a little PTSD without realizing it. <laughs> but Beast designs a power enhancing ray. Uh, a ray gun, and the X-Men all assume that he is rushing off to join the bad guys. But, like, Hank, explain. I know. Like, like communicate and be like, oh, no. Communication. Yeah. <laughs> all he's got to do is tell them for five seconds. Again, yeah. Wrong. Theme of because today's episode, he just, like, apparently. runs away, and he's like, no, this is, this will enhance, it, increase his power. And they're just like, yeah, that's a bad And he's like, thing. I must do this for your own good. It's and it's being like. being very theatrical. Yeah. Just, so dramatic. <laughs> I really hate that as a plot device. The like Ugh. very easily <laughs> explained miscommunications. Mm -hmm. I hate when that's used as a plot device. Yeah, but when then it would we don't take get literally cheers. two seconds. <laughs> there's a new a, girl. <laughs> there's a long history in comics. In yeah. the X Men, it begins next issue, which you'll see when they meet the Avengers, of superhero teams meeting, fighting, and then teaming up to fight to defeat the bad guy. There's usually some sort of misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. They always fight, and then they and then they always team up and and you know yeah. save the day. And it's almost become like a running trope. Like they joke about it. Like, oh, there's another superhero team. We better fight them before we so team up with them. Wait a second. <laughs> What's yeah. happening over here? I'm on a pee in this field. <laughs> <laughs> 
And again, we'll see that next issue with the Avengers. Uh, but Beast shoots Eunice with his power-enhancing ray, and what happens? His powers are enhanced. Yeah, his powers are enhanced. <laughs> his uh, his field expands and we becomes stronger. We get a couple amazing pages of Eunice kind of feeling like he's more powerful than ever, but it's not going to go well for him. Uh, what does he do? He can't touch anything. It's the opposite of the Midas touch. Instead of everything turning to gold, including your food, it's just you can't, can't touch anything. He can't get a cigarette. He can't sit on a chair. He can't like walk next to people. He can't eat food. It's like he's surrounded in slippery soap suds yep. and everything just flies <laughs> out of his hands. He tries to, yeah, his cigarettes fly away. He tries to get a steak and it bounces off a plate. God, uh, man can't have a cigarettes and steak in 1962? <laughs> uh, so we flash back to the X-Men for just a moment and Cyclops has activated a giant condom <laughs> to be a portable prison for Eunice. He wants to drop a plastic bubble over him that will trap him. So way to promote safe sex, Cyclops. Yeah. He's, he's sprinkled you. some Unicide all on the inside. Well, uh, now that we know what kind of father he is, you know, let's hope he keeps this in mind. Uh, the phone rings and Jean, Jean telekinetically brings it to her ear, which is so impressive. First, first she threaded a needle and now she's answering the telephone. Uh, um, speaking of Jean's telekinesis, I wonder why didn't she get a chance to try to attack Eunice? Because who knows what would happen with like her mind powers and his touch. force field. Yeah. Like she's answering phones and threading fucking needles. She's not even, she doesn't even get her shot at Eunice. She did execute Plan G5 mm-hmm. when Cyclops was falling. She caught him. Yeah. Yeah, she's an accessory. Always a supporting role. Yeah. Always it, bridesmaid, never a bride. It gets worse before it gets better. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, so they they get the news that Eunice uh, uh, is is attacking in the city. Or there's been a sighting of Eunice. So they rush to him and uh, uh, he's not going well. He's trying to pick up some cake and a sandwich. They're flying away. But All he's so food hungry. Looks so good. <laughs> he he promises to turn good if Beast will nullify the effects of his power. I'm just so oh, hungry. But so also hungry. on their way to Eunice, I love when they have Beast with them because they have to keep an eye on him. And they and he says, "Don't make any sudden moves, Beast. We're all watching you." And this is probably my favorite line in this whole issue is Beast says, I applaud your good judgment. You couldn't have selected a lovelier specimen for observation. That like, reminds me I of my, love it so much. my great-great-grandmother's 100th birthday. <laughs> she had been blind since she was like 40. Mm-hmm. She was now losing her hearing because, you know, she was 100. Yes. And she could hear that people were talking, but she couldn't, you know, really understand what they were saying. So she's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, we're talking about you, Grandma. And she just goes... I can't think of a finer subject. Keep talking. <laughs> oh, I like your grandma. Uh, so they reverse the ray and Eunice immediately grabs a large slice of pie. And he's like, oh, I promise I will never join Magneto again. Uh, he's looking at that pie hard. Yeah, he he, he wants himself <laughs> Look some at pie. That. And then he's going back to the wrestling ring where he belongs. And that's not me making that up. He literally says yeah. wrestling ring. Wrestling ring. I mean, it's just like the blob all over again, you know? His pose here in the middle middle left panel, look all the lines of his muscles. Like, holy he's like, crap. Beast. He look how me. good he looks right now. Like, everything is rippling. <laughs> Uh, they, they, in the final panel, say, oh, Beast, we never lost faith in you in the first <laughs> like, place. Uh, yeah, yeah, you okay. did. You shot your damn laser eyes at me. We thought you became an evil mutant. But, you know, also you left us and became a professional wrestler for a while. So we and also right. you didn't say a single explanatory word when you went and built the ring. But we always so had faith like, in you. Yeah, we always had faith. So we're all, uh, for the for the listeners, we're all using the X-Men ep- epic collection, the Children of the Atom, in which a couple pinups have been interspersed throughout. So we get this... <laughs> We get this amazing pinup of the beast uh, uh, balancing on a tightrope with one finger while juggling with his feet in the air. And I kind of mm-hmm. love it. I also so, love how he signs it, indubitably yours. Indubitably he's, yours, Hank McCoy. He's a little bit hairier here with the detail because it's bigger, which is awesome. You can see it in his fingers here. But what is he juggling? There are balls, but what what are the other non-ball One of things? them looks like a nut and bolt. I think they're butt plugs. <laughs> balls and butt plugs. I mean, that's... <laughs> tracks <laughs> and they're all in one hand like yeah. he's just one two three four he's just when just i was in elementary school i used to be able to juggle two hands in one two balls in one hand 
So... But I was in elementary school, so don't make it dirty. <laughs> <laughs> That's Heather's mutant power. <laughs> Two balls in one hand. I was eight. Don't make it dirty. <laughs> oh, you're blushing. <laughs> Uh, Eunice in a he does come back in this run. We will see him again. Uh, he he joins Blob and Vanisher on a team called Factor Three, but where it'll be a while before we see them. But there is a future comic book in which his powers get enhanced again, and he can't control it, and he dies because he can't get enough oxygen. Oh no! Wow, that's depressing. And then he comes that's back to life, one. and then it happens again, <laughs> and then he comes back to life again because you know it's comic again. books. Gotta be so bad for your brain. <laughs> we need one of these guys okay. to get a CAT scan. Just to... Again, like, I feel like there needs to just be, you know how there's that running joke online about the insurance claims, like the mm-hmm. insurance salesman for like superhero movies? Yes. I feel like there also needs to be like a therapist's office. And, uh. it's, just like, <laughs> and it's just them going through all of this trauma they have. And it's like, but this happened in this timeline, mm. but then this happened in another timeline. And, like, technically it didn't happen in this particular timeline, but, like, I'm still traumatized from it. (laughs) So this has nothing to do with this issue, but I just have to share it with you guys. I was rereading a series called X-Force recently from 2008, I believe, in which some of the X-Men forcibly recruit the Vanisher to join their team because they need a teleporter. And they have a guy named Elixir who can heal or heal you or give you diseases. Ooh, Elixir, that's the power. Elixir, he's an Omega Mutant. He Hell puts, yeah. He puts a tumor, an inoperable brain tumor, in Vanisher's head, and he says, you have to work with us or you'll die. And so they force Vanisher to work with them for a while. Now, off-panel in one issue, Elixir heals Vanisher from the tumor. So he's all better. And then a few issues later, Vanisher still thinks he has the tumor, and he starts coughing up blood or something. And he goes back to Elixir and he's like, this is inhumane. You have to heal me. And Elixir's like, I already did heal you, but you also have stage four syphilis. (laughs) (laughs) That's a literal thing that happened in the books. And after our conversation about Vanisher a few weeks ago, it just tracked so well. It made me so happy. It's like, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Who's surprised? (laughs) I'm surprised that anyone had sex with him to give him syphilis. It also shows him in a... didn't say it was consensual. It shows him in a Portuguese brothel with a bunch of girls. Also, does everyone know where syphilis originated? I do not. Oh, fun fact. So Christopher Columbus, when he came to, you know, the Americas, brought syphilis back to Spain when he went back to report back. But up until that point, syphilis had never been seen in humans on the Americas or in Spain. It had only been seen in llamas. Oh, Oh, something happened on that cross Atlantic so, trip. So we all we all now know that Christopher Columbus was in fact a llama fucker. Uh, well, I wow. think I don't know that we know that, but it's really fun to assume that. I, we can I conjecture saying, wildly. Yeah, I'm like I'm Christopher Columbus can go fuck himself. So I'm saying that he was a llama. Fucker. And I'm also just going to note but, that both llama and syphilis have two L's in it. We so, could go even deeper into that. What if one of the llamas died and he fashioned a, an apparatus? What is the apparatus? <laughs> a sexual apparatus. Oh, this conversation needs to vanish. Yeah. <laughs> eject. <Okay>. Eject. <laughs> so edit point then, right? <laughs> oh, I'm leaving this. <laughs> uh, so uh, what was your favorite moment, if you had to choose one in this issue, and who was your favorite character and why? So I will I will answer first. The I mean I I liked the I liked the wrestling scene, uh, but the laugh out loud moment for me is uh, Bobby's elongated ice pick. I mean it's just they had to know, even in the '60s, that that was over the top. It just makes me laugh so hard. Uh, my favorite character in this issue is the Beast. I think uh, I think we see some real strong characterization of him, uh, and uh, his willingness to kind of stand up for himself after that really traumatic experience and rescuing the child and getting attacked. I, I, I think it's really inspiring, actually. Yeah, my favorite was also the Beast because I love a good um, shining moment character. Uh, and so you really get to see more of him by himself rather than with the team. I mean, I love him with the team, too. But And like I said earlier, my favorite part is when he is talking about how good looking he is. When they talk, they're like, mm-hmm. we're, "We're all watching you." 
I also really like the beast, but I love the just over the topness of the whole thing, especially my favorite moment is just him getting so mad about the cigarettes. Like <laughs> it's hilarious. Just how upset he's getting about it. Like you I get just it, really but wants it's, to smoke. It's just fantastic knowing what we know about cigarettes now. <laughs> I mean to be fair, if I had that happen to me and I couldn't touch anything, I would be flipping oh. the fuck out too. Yeah, but, but what would still. you be reaching for that frustrated you? Like I mean, what's your cigarettes and steak? I mean, it's the Midas thing, right? Like, do you guys remember that book where everything the kid touched turned to chocolate? Yes. Yeah. Is that like <laughs> like I'd I'd flip out no matter what happened, uh, it would be Okay, but also <laughs> when his power was enhanced, what would have happened had he tried to masturbate? Mm. If it's since it's part of his body, would he have been able to touch well, it? Well, it has to be violent, and intense. So unless well, he's into no, some kinky shit, once like... once he was um, enhanced. Oh, yep. And so I'm like, but it was part of his body, so he might have been able to touch his dick. But Heather, I feel like perhaps we've corrupted you, and you're having these <laughs> thoughts about these characters now. Oh, and I think it's our Just fault. Think on it later, and then next episode, <laughs> <laughs> Eunice the Touchable. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a fanfic to me. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a pornfic. Corey, how about it's you? It's the same thing. Fanfic and pornfic. All, same every thing. fanfic includes just a little bit of NC-17. Yeah, anyway, so... I kind of like... Or favorite character is... I like Eunice's whole hero's journey. Hero slash villain's journey that he takes. Because he starts out as like... What seems to be the most prominent good guy wrestler so we think of him as like the rock or like stone cold steve austin or something for anyone that knows who those people are and what that means if you don't uh, that, know who the rock is that's just sad <laughs> the hero that's uh and all that and then he decides like hmm i think i might want to join the bad guys but he he runs into trouble joining the bad guys and he's like well you know what maybe i'm just gonna go back and, and do what i know and stick it's simple i uh, i appreciate his simplicity he doesn't have any he thought he had some dreams and goals, but no, uh, my life maybe he good. realized, yeah, he realized that he was very happy the way he was. The grass isn't always greener, and I'm hoping that he, he takes this growth and he he keeps, sticks with his red uniform and his new his new wrestling uh, <laughs> career, or his, sec, you know, version 2.0 wrestling career, and sort of Gandalf the White's things, and comes back even more powerful than before. I've said this again, I'll say, or I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's so nice to see Happy-Go-Lucky Beast. In the current comics, he's reprehensible. So it just is so nice to see him here. Uh, so let's flip to the cover of issue nine, which we'll cover next time. Uh, any preliminary thoughts? We again have, if you don't count the top part, we have 11 characters oh. packed into the action panel. Oh boy. Uh, they're, the, they're facing off against the Avengers, and we get the first image of Lucifer down at the bottom. Uh, any preliminary thoughts as you look at this? It looks like is that Ant-Man? It is Ant-Man as okay. Giant-Man. Okay. But it's the same character. Yeah. Right. I just couldn't figure... Because, I mean, obviously it's Thor and Captain America and Iron Man. But I was like, I think that's Ant-Man. It's, okay. yes, if it's you just showed Man. me a picture of Lucifer, I would not have guessed he was Lucifer. I would have just right. been like, Goblin yeah. King? Looks like the Green Goblin. <laughs> um, Spider-Man's guy. I mean, you only know because there's a big red arrow at this thing. Yeah. Here's yeah, Lucifer. Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm... Very first thing I notice is Professor X has gone to more Homo sapien forms of protection, and he's got his Uzi <laughs> and a tank chair. <laughs> Why does he have an Uzi? <laughs> There's also a female member of the Avengers he's that drive bys in, in his little tank. Yeah, the wasp is in the issue, but she doesn't make the cover. Maybe she shrunk. Oh, she's well, right there. Yeah. She's on the next page. She's just little. Well, right, but that's on the cover I know. page. She's not now on I'm, the cover. Now I'm looking so. for a tiny wasp somewhere. I'm just saying she might be too right? little, too. I don't think she's there, up. so sad. <laughs> uh, so come back next time in which we see the uh, the X-Men face off against uh, Ghost Nipples. I'm just kidding. Uh, the Avengers. And we talked last time about how when they, well, a few issues ago, when they had the Submariner come in, how it really cemented them into the Marvel Universe. Having them face against the Avengers is huge. Uh, the title of the issue is Enter the Avengers! Oh, that sounded dirty. Enter, comma, <laughs> Enter, comma. the Avengers. Nope, I like Enter the Avengers better. <laughs> Punctuation, y'all. Uh, okay, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here at Grim Elkin Lane. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, we're having a blast. We have some really amazing things coming up. We've got a, a special issue drop, uh, our special episode drop coming uh, with just me, Chad, talking about the X-Men's future travels. Uh, and after that, we've got some really amazing things with some comic book professionals and some podcast hosts coming up. 
Uh, we can't wait to share with you. Please like, please subscribe, please share with your friends. You can find us on social media and Twitter. Uh, and we would Twitter. love to hear... Oh, gosh. We, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> They're both social media. Uh, we'd love to hear what you're enjoying. We'd love to hear your experience with us so far. Let us know if you have questions, what you'd like to see more of. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Hey. Um, Top left corner. Yeah. Look what's happening with Iceman and Bees. <laughs> that is. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about that. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is like bent over. And well, then Cyclops I, is peeking around like, what are you looking well, at? Well, Iceman is like, ejaculating. ejaculating. <laughs> oh, Where man. Is Iceman's legs go? They're just gone. <laughs> Not there. Oh, they're all in there. Beast is. <laughs>